Welcome to season two of The Retail Tea Break. My name is Melissa Moore, founder of The Retail Advisor. As a consultant, mentor, trainer and lecturer, I enable retailers and makers to reach their potential through sales growth and excellence in customer experience. I'm also your host of The Retail Tea Break. Each week, I'll be joined by industry experts, retailers and makers to decode the myths, share stories and their insights into this industry of ours. So if you enjoy listening to The Retail Tea Break, subscribe to the podcast and share it with others in the industry too. So sit back, grab that cup of tea and listen in. Welcome to The Retail Tea Break. Today, I'm joined by a man who studies human behavior. He says that understanding consumer decision-making can enable companies to effectively serve them and support long-term growth. This accomplished lecturer has over 20 years experience in higher education, and I'm delighted to be joined by him today. Dennis O'Hora, Director of the Master of Science in Consumer Psychology, Experimental Psychologist and Behavioral Scientist. Welcome to the Retail Tea Break podcast. Thank you so much, Melissa. I'm delighted to be here. I'm really excited to have this conversation. I know we've talked a lot over the last couple of months, so I'm I'm thrilled to be able to bring your insight to, to the audience. So look, before we kick off, in the age-old tradition of the podcast, um, in the time it takes to boil a kettle, which I'm told is about two minutes, tell us a little bit about you and your background. Thank you very much. And as an academic, I hope I don't go over the two, two minutes by waffling along. So as you said, I'm the director of the Masters in Consumer Psychology at NUA Galway, uh, but originally I started off as a research scientist, uh, focusing on learning and decision-making, looking at the minutia of how it is that we learn from the world around us and how we make decisions when we have to. And then about 10 years ago, I started to apply my understanding that, that of the research to practical problems and applied problems such as farm safety. I've done a lot of work with farmers both on pro-environmental behavior and, and safety. And it's really rewarding seeing how you can uh, open up decisions for people. And so then most recently, about two years ago, I started the Mass Consumer Psychology. And that was something where I was aware of the talent that was coming through uh, the NUI Galway Psychology Program and other, pro and other programs across the country. And these were people who were getting amazing jobs once they left. But so many of them were getting stuck in that point where they had very good skills, but they were missing that last 5 10% that would turn them from being someone who was, you know, grand to being someone who, were, who would, who would remember and notice and, and really want to to keep in your company so I just said I think that's a I, I really need to get out there and help these people these uh, these graduates to to make it so that's why we developed the mass consumer psychology and, and we've been looking at consumer psychology issues in detail for the last two years wow amazing and actually timing quite ironically presumably the pandemic has had a massive effect, I presume. And again, you might tell me I'm wrong, that the effect that the pandemic has had on consumers is like nothing you've ever seen before. So what's what's your take on what's gone on over the last couple of years? Well, it's a really interesting question. So people are people. I think that's where I always go back to. Uh, so the how and why of how people make decisions 
hasn't changed. But what we are seeing at the moment is we're seeing people in some of the most challenging times. And following the pandemic, we're now contacting rising inflation and people having to really cut their cloth. So you've got this situation where consumers, have, you know, were, were suffering from uh, being kept away from their families and be, and then really losing out social supports, having a lot of anxiety around their health. And they're coming out of that and in a situation where they're, okay, let's go. Now they're, they're, their actual purchasing power is now being reduced. And so it's, a really, it's been a really difficult time for people. Um, and obviously we know that you know, some of the stay-at-home services like you know, uh, the streaming services and so on did very well during the pandemic. Um, uh, and so, and they learned a lot during the pandemic about how to service people in, in, under those uh, circumstances. But I think what we're what we 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 have a lot of people who are in a, a more a challenged situation than than they've they've experienced in, in a long time, and that expresses itself in in interesting ways when it comes to consumption. It means that consumption is going to be driven in different ways, maybe than previously. Uh, you're going to find that uh, some of the ways in which people make decisions are, are different in that they can't, they have to prioritize different things. And so I, I think, and another th one, one of the things that happens with decision making when we're under stress is that we tend to make poorer decisions. We tend to go back to, to what we've always done before. Okay. So if, you know, if you're, you'll be familiar, maybe first thing in the morning, you don't always get a chance to think through the best decision. Yeah, yeah, you and, get you know, up, you get on with it, yeah. Yeah, and so that situation, if you can, if you apply that to more and more of the decisions you're making, it, it you'll see patterns like people tending to maybe be a little less explorative, being a little bit more careful about things. Uh, and, and I think that's where we are at the moment. And it's hard for people to break out now because the folks who are want to move from that from that place of you know battening down the hatches and surviving to let's live a little bit, now they're being constrained in terms of of the the decreases in purchasing power, and that's like okay, so I want to really explore that, but I feel like now I can't and I need to budget, and so it's a it's, I think it's a tricky time, and uh, but it, what we we'll, what we see is probably a big in, an insider advantage you know advantages for companies that are already in already being uh, already have a strong position will, will probably you know obviously they they tend to maintain that position but it's going to be it's harder than it might be for new entrants to get to get noticed and to and for people to have the space to make that choice of something new I have to ask the question. So as a lot of you know, I dipped my toes into the whole lecturing kind of side of things this year. Um, and while I have you, I really want to pick your brain. How on earth do you turn a consumer into a paying customer? So if you're face to face with them or if they're on your website or whatever it might be, what's your take? How do I turn a consumer into a paying customer? Okay, so that is the X question yeah. right yeah. Um, yeah tell us the answer yeah yeah I, I, it's one of these things that i i, already, <laughs> I just haven't been telling people we're, we're going to now tell everyone more i knows the answer um I, I obviously don't know the whole answer uh 
One of the things, uh, one of the, I suppose, approaches that I think has worth in terms of taking people from the point of contact. So one of the contributions I think I can, I can give you in that situation is think, uh, is thinking about the state, the emotional state that that individual is in when they contact your product, whether it's on a website or your service, whether again, whether it's on a website, whether it's in person or whatever. And so <clears throat> we've spoken a little bit before about regulatory focus theory. And I, I think this is a very, there's this idea uh, by Higgins in, in, in Colombia. And this is that you individuals are often in one of two different focus. Uh, and so when you're in a particular focus, it, it, for us, it would be like being in a frame of mind. It's the nearest kind of colloquial way of putting it. And so the, he, he distinguishes between a prevention frame of mind, a pre prevention focus, or a promotion focus. And it's one of the reasons that's useful is that when individuals are in these different are, are operating from these, you know, these different with these different focus or foci, what they are looking for different things. So, okay, so prevention focus is a situation where I want to retain the, the status quo. So it, I, you can think about a situation where uh, you've got a headache and you're looking for some, some paracetamol for that. You go to a pharmacy and you say, oh, I just need to get the, farm, the paracetamol and you, you, serve, you serve that need and you return yourself to being in the okay state. And so that prevention focus is, I really need to, to correct something that's gone wrong and the, or I wanna protect some, myself from something going wrong. Um, promotion focus is I'm ex excitable, you know, pot potential for something new here. And so I'm in an exploratory uh, mode. So uh, you're looking, oh, what's, what's going on here? This, this, this could be really cool, right? And there are these two different ways of being, one where we're trying to protect what we have, one where we're looking for those new and great things. Um, those are two different, everybody varies in a kind of a default setting. So some people are more pre prevention focused and more promotion focused. And you can think of your stereotype, you know, maybe the accountant is more prevention focused and your trader is more promotion focused, all right? And so there, those, but those are, you know, obviously kind of real stereotypes. And we know that, that, that that's not true of everyone, right? But what you'll, what you'll find is if, I, what I think this is usefully brought to consumer psychology is you can think about your product your service and think about, first of all, are there, is it more likely that this serves a prevention focused need or a promotion focused need? And then what you're going to do is you can then use the mode of contact. So how it is that you contact your consumers to filter individuals out if they're not in that frame of mind, right? So, and, this is something that, that retailer, retailers have been doing for as long as retailers have existed, right? So there's a reason why a pharmacy looks different from a boutique clothing store, yeah. right? You go into a boutique clothing store, it's a little bit hard to find things. It's, everything is very tactile and you search around and you get, you get to feel the fabrics and you really want to indulge in exploration and spend time 
you don't quite know where everything is, but that's part of the fun is finding things, right? It's like, I'm in there to explore. Uh, if you're in a pharmacy that was like a boutique clothing store, you'd walk straight out the door, right? You'd be like, these people, I need this problem sorted and I can't trust these people, right? And so uh, one of the things we, we think about is that if someone's in a prevention focus frame of mind, we want to be, we want to assure them and then they're going to make the decision in, at, where they have a threshold and they've said, look, this threshold, I need this sorted. If, you, if I'm confident you sort this out, I'll pay, I'll, I'll, that's what I'm going to get, right? Um, and folks in a prevention folks are going to tend to not want to, uh, not want to change from their previous, they tend to stick with what they know, okay? Now, if you're promotion folks on the other hand, promotion focus folks are a little bit harder to hold on to because they're always interested in the new shiny stuff. Yeah. And so you want to make sure that what if you are currently being purchased by, and you're in this promotion focus, uh, you've got promotion focus service, promotion focus product, you're always trying to say, hey, I know it looks like we're, you, you can trust us, we always deliver, but we've got new shiny stuff here, right? Look, it's new shiny here, new shiny here. And you've got, you're always doing that. And you can, one of the things, what, what's interesting about this is when, when, you're, when you filter your consumers, then you, can, then you can hit their focus. Whereas if, and, and I, I really believe in segmenting in that way. Yeah. And so we've got a situation where we, we segment, not just, not on the basis of demographics, but rather segmenting on, on, on the basis of focus, on the basis of their frame of mind. And so you can, for example, if you've got, there are many products that are, that could serve either a prevention focus or a promotion focus. How, but can you orient or root individuals to a, to a presentation that fits their focus? And how can you filter them? The, the thing about it is, is that people, if they are coming with a focus, they will follow you will be looking to go where uh, your focus would tell you to go. So you just provide the option for people to choose in line with their focus. They will do so. And that will help them. Then you then can, can pitch to them in a way that understands where they're at in terms of their emotional state. And so I think what you can do to turn a consumer to a paying customer is align your pitch to their focus. And how do you do that? You say, well, I, I don't know the consumer. I've never met them before. Well, again, retailers have been solving this problem, right? Uh, since I, I, I tend to think of a car salesman as just like, kind of, you know, most extreme example of, uh, of, of a retailer. And you think of, you walk onto the lot, <clears throat> the, sales, the salesperson is looking at your eyes, looking at how you're looking around. If you're looking around with your eyes open and you're smiling, they'll tend to say, oh, it's a great car, isn't it? Right? Isn't that what it, you know, and they're, they're going to talk to you about something positive, right? Yeah. Right? And then they're going, to, they're going to test with that positive statement, are you really there? Because when we do that, we're testing our read, okay? So I go, Hey, isn't this isn't this fun? All right, it'll be more specific to the situation, but basically, I'm going to create a little bit of fun and see if you go for it. 
if you don't go for it quickly, I'm go, I, I can then go to, you know, you're dead right, right? And a little now, bit more serious, yeah. Yeah, right, so you switch. Oh. And you are good salespeople switching from enthusiasm to serious. And you see this all the time, again, and maybe it's just because I've been in car showrooms, hoping <laughs> with, with no money and wasting people's time. <laughs> Uh, because I love looking at cars, but uh, I, I can't afford one at the moment. And so, it's so. But you see, you see, you can watch people change, and they'll change from when they're selling you the car to when they're dealing with your money. Yeah. Okay. And that makes Notice sense. Notice how well. they will change. And so, so when people are dealing, with, and the same person is going to talk to you differently. You know, isn't this crazy? Isn't this, oh, you, see, you need to be careful about this over here. You need to make sure we've got we've got a better deal than the banks, right? Because they're going to take your money. We're not going to take your money, right? So they switch from, hey, enthusiasm, exploration, great new stuff. Wait till you try this. Have sit down. Isn't that comfortable? Isn't that a new feeling? Isn't that a great feeling? Isn't that? Wouldn't you love to have this, right? To listen, don't spend more than you need, right? We're, yeah. we're taking care of you, right? To switch, and they again. This is one of these things that sale salespeople, retailers do all the time. Good salespeople yeah. are knack for that. They just they read, they're testing where are you emotionally. They have a good idea about different contexts. Money tends to be more prevention focused. Health tends to be more pre prevention focused. Yeah. But that's different as well because health is an interesting one. You can have the with health, you can have, you know, that's you know, if you do this, you reduce your chance of cancer. That's over here. Oh, on the other side, you may say, hey, you, you just don't know how good you can feel if you really feel healthy. And this, well, this, this was, is going to make you feel healthier than you've ever felt, felt right? So and you can see that in, in healthy food advertising all the time, you know, um, where it's like, you know, it, this will protect you or this will make you feel better. And I, I, it's interesting as well. I think there's often there's a gender difference in how, how that's pitched, right? Uh, in terms of how what food means to to different genders, and again, that's cultural as well. Okay, because again, different cultures, you know, are, are different in terms of the gender disparity in terms of food and how food's interpreted and so on. But again, promotion prevention very useful in terms of as a touchstone to think what what's going on, what's going on with my service, my, this context, where is the where's the person likely to be. Can I test if they're there, just to be sure? So I, I, I'll offer a promote. I'll offer something that's promotion and exploration to test if they're there. I guess they're there. See if that's that where they are, and then I play to that, or then I back off and I go in a different direction if if, if the read is incorrect. And so I think it's 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 really useful, and we can do that on websites. We can, you know, I, I was talking again. Uh, to my, my Genesis friend about this, like, okay, how can you test where someone is? And I'm like, oh yeah, I never thought of that, right? And it's like, well, I think you might've been you're being very generous to me in that conversation, but it's, I think thinking about, okay, can we, can we predict? And then can we test that prediction of, of the state of mind of the person that you're selling to? So I think if you, again, it's knowing your consumer. Yeah. Again, this is why I love your, your podcast. Yeah. Is, is you're all about knowing consumer, understanding the consumer experience. I think that pays off in terms of 
pitching to that. And I'm particularly interested in the emotional state of the individual when you're contacting what you're, what you're going to pro provide. This is amazing. How many nuggets there. So I, I, I really want to just go out now this afternoon and go to a car showroom and watch someone in action. Because again, it's fascinating now that you've described it. I really get what you're talking about. And actually now I can kind of visualize someone being in that position and therefore, do you know what? Maybe I as a salesperson could then go and do that myself, as you said, testing the consumer. But with that, from what you're saying, brings that level of trust. They start to trust you as a salesperson. They start to believe you have integrity because you're doing it for the right reason. You're not being pushy at any stage with the way you've talked about this. And and it also makes me believe that there's long term in this. This isn't a short term, quick buck being made by the salesperson because the trust and the relationship is being built. You're going to get this consumer back. This consumer that's turned into a customer is going to keep coming back. They're going to bring their friends, their family. Is this where the longevity for sales and for business really comes from? That's a really good question. What I, sorry, I, I keep saying, I keep saying that. Um, and but it's right every time. Um, I really like what you're talking about. the The interesting thing about empathy, right? So we're we're talking when I say about you know un, trying to understand where the person is coming from, their emotional state. We're talking about empathy. Yeah. And the interesting thing about that is, yes, you can definitely generate a, a, a empathy if I use empathy and I and I and I follow through then you will have a very strong positive affinity mm -hmm. with my product and with that service. However, if you do not follow through, you will have a, you will have a, a stronger negative reaction, right? So this is the thing. So it's a really important point that you're bringing up, which is if once you, it's true in any situation where someone buys from you that you've got to, you've got to come through, right? Yeah. And you've got to, when you're, when you're selling, you've got to make sure that you've got the product, the service can actually say what you're going, that it can do what you want it to do, right? Um, because if you don't follow through, then the stronger and the better your connection and empathy was, then the stronger their negative reaction will be, right? Because think about it, right? You feel... If you have a strong positive feeling about, yeah, this is definitely for me, and it doesn't work out, it's more of a letdown. Yeah. And we we generate so in in um, when we look at decision making, uh, I, there are a number of ways in which uh, emotion affects decision making, and so when we're making a decision, we have what's called when when we're comparing options, we compare the anticipated affect. The anticipated affect, affect is the word used in psychology to, for emotion. It's a little bit more specific than that. So I expect to have a strong positive payoff from this experience, right? Uh, and so I choose this, I choose that because the anticipated affect is good, is, is, is what, something I'm looking for. After, this, after I've, I've contacted the experience, the experience, after I've, you know, I've now made a decision and now I have the product, I have, I'm experiencing the service. What, we're, what we then make our evaluation based on is our remembered affect or our, our recalled affect. Now that's an interesting one in that we tend to remember better the, our, our affect or our more recent emotions with a product. With a product. Tends to, often if you're, you know, so that'll tend to be 
just the you know the more recent interaction so if you think yeah. of like uh, how good was a a movie if the movie ended well you think it's a better movie it's not the average of the movie you tend to be more influenced by the end uh in fact if you've if you've been if you use apps on your on your mobile phone app designers do this to 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 really get nice reviews so uh, I, I didn't notice this so a good friend of mine said look as soon as your app does something good for you it's going to prompt you for a review oh that's so true right and it, you have you'll notice it now all the time and buddy of mine said yeah well we code it that way right we code it so that there's a, a, a function was requested and provided <laughs> and then tell us how brilliant we are <laughs> that, that's so it looks like you're enjoying our product yeah how about a five-star review and yes. so you cook so you cook up reviews you they don't happen randomly it's not just well wow isn't that lucky that it happened at this time no Gosh. that's that's cooked into how the reviews are requested from from the consumers and then that so when you're looking at reviews of of uh, apps on the app store you need to know that those are right at the moment that people were happy people were asked about it now the, you'll find that the people who go on and give negative reviews negative reviews are more informative because tip, they won't have been they won't have been asked to do it they will have gone out of their way to say oh, i don't like this product um, and so negative negative reviews tend to be more informative than positive reviews on the, on the app store but it's an interesting one right um, oh that's yeah, so to anticipate again, and when we're generating our evaluations, we compare our anticipated affect to our recalled affect, right? So we compare, I thought this was going to be great. It's not great. Mm. And if there's a big, the bigger the difference there, the stronger our, our positive or negative reaction. If you think something is going to be okay and it's actually really good, that's a really positive experience, right? Um, if you think something's going to be amazing and it's only okay, right? It again, your, your expectations are going to affect how how, how good you think it was. Um, you still might think I really made the right decision. Uh, it's not as good as they thought it was going to be. I still made, I still definitely made the right decision, um, and and so that keep you coming back. But again, so when we're thinking about when we're using uh, ideas like empathy. We need to be always clear that we are going to follow through. And as you said, that's integrity. Integrity is, I said I was going to do something and then I'm going to follow through and do it. And I'm doing that with my product. So this product will help you and, and that's me, okay? And so that's my integrity is that I said it would, it would do this and it's going to, and it's going to do that. Um, and we have, we have to do that. Uh, if, we, if we don't, there's, there's nothing that, there's no antidote to selling people something that wasn't wasn't what they wanted. That's just, and you know that, right? Yeah, that's a whole other episode. We're gonna have to have yeah. this is this has been incredible because I'm now sitting here going, I'm gonna go play with my apps this afternoon because I want to see is that really gonna happen. I also want to go to a car show room and watch someone in action. But this is really practical stuff that actually we take a bit of time out from our businesses and we look in at it and we mind our customers and we do cherish them that you know what it it makes sense then for the long term that this is how you grow your business this is how you keep the customers coming back follow these steps watch and listen because it really works i suppose we're such incredible human beings
that it is that interaction that really, really helps. But goodness, we could talk all day. But before we kind of finish this up, Dennis, and again, you're coming back. That's just a given at this stage. Thank you so final, much. Final question for now. Anyway, what's coming up for you over the next six months? Oh, well, it's it's pretty exciting. So we're recruiting for our next year of, ma of master's students. So it's, I, I love this because it's uh, every student who applies, I'm, 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 I'm just wondering where did they hear about it? And I, I, every, every, I'm still at the, at the stage where every, every application is like a kind of a compliment to me. And I'm just loving that, they, that people have put the time in to, to, to sign up. And I'm, even if, I, even if I, I, I'm like, oh, you know, you, you didn't make the grade, I'm still really chuffed by the fact that people are applying. Um, and so that's, we, we're, we're, I'm going to be working on that for the next two months, I'd say, uh, depending on, on how quickly they all come in. And then next year, we're adding in a new uh, module to our program, like a, that would be a course in, in the American system. And it's, it's called X-Culture. And so X-Culture is a, is a team in the US that put together this, uh, this uh, product, this service, which is, uh, it brings teams of students from all over the world together on global virtual teams. Again, it's one of these, you know, for us, they were doing this pre-pandemic, but then now post-pandemic, when everyone's used to Zoom, yeah. it's much more obvious that this is a great thing to do. So they were doing these global virtual teams since 2013. But when I saw this, I thought, oh, this is what a fantastic way to connect my students with students from other cultures yeah. and other time zones and other, and other na nationalities, because I, I really want to connect my students in Galway with the rest of the world. And I want them to just understand that we, we do a lot of work on cross-cultural work in the, in the consumer psychology program. And so they'll be working on global virtual teams, solving problems for multinationals and hopefully distinguishing themselves and, and, and you know, wearing the green jersey in those <laughs> teams. And, and, and impressing everyone. So, so that's, that's going to be an exciting part of it next year. And uh, hoping to bring in some new, new expertise like yourself, Melissa. Uh, yeah, no pressure. No pressure students. at all. Uh, that would be fantastic too. How incredible. And look, I'll definitely pop the link in to the course and to where Brilliant. people can find you. you in the show notes. Because again, I'm sure there are people listening going... I could do that. I'd love to have the chat about coming on and, and doing the course, which sounds phenomenal. So I'm looking forward to seeing what's next. And yes, I've said it here. We're definitely going to have you back because I think I'd love to pick your brains. I'm sure there's plenty of people listening that would like to send me some questions for the next time I have you on to pick your brain as well. This has been incredible. So Dennis, please do. If you've enjoyed today's session and you want to hear more from Dennis, uh, hook up with him on LinkedIn. You can follow him on LinkedIn. As I said, I'm going to put the course details in the show notes. This has been amazing. So if you've enjoyed today's episode, please like and share this episode uh, via any of the social media platforms, any of the podcast platforms, and you know you can always find us on YouTube as well. So until the next episode of the Retail Tea Break podcast, Dennis O'Hora, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Melissa. It's been a real treat. <laughs>